You're listening to the Born Again Anxious Podcast. Anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues don't just go away magically for Christians. So let's have an honest conversation about what it's like to be born again and anxious. Well, hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I am your host, Adam Reynolds. Uh, Whether it's your first time listening or you've been listening for a while, glad that you are listening today. You know, I've got what I think is going to be a great interview for you uh, today, Um, so we'll get that to that in a minute. Um, But first, I want to tell you about next week's episode, kind of give you a little bit of a... uh, of a teaser, I guess you could say. Um, you know, look, if, if you are listening to this podcast shortly after it comes out, um, it's it's the beginning of 2021, and uh, it's a new year, right? And, and maybe you're one that sets uh, goals and and makes resolutions. Uh, maybe you're one that thinks resolutions are dumb. I don't. I don't really know. Uh, but the tr- the truth is this: uh, that that I think we all have to have goals in our life, whether you want to call them resolutions or not, and whether or not you want to um, uh, um, make them at you know the beginning of the year when the the calendar turns. Um, we we all need to make goals. And I know I speak for myself and I speak for many others uh, who experience things like depression and anxiety and panic attacks, um, is that, that sometimes uh, goal setting can feel like a really tough thing. Uh, it can feel like something that, that um, you know, we're, we're just going through the motions and, you know, okay, I set this goal, but then I don't do it. And so then it, it you know, gets me bummed out. Um, maybe I'm experiencing depression at the time. And so like, it's, it's just, you know, I have, I have kind of this weird relationship, uh, with, with goals. And yet I still think they're important and they're needed. And, uh, and if, um, you know, if, if I'm going to see, um, growth in the different areas of my life, uh, I've got to have goals and a way to, um, a way to track them and a way to, to keep myself accountable and a way to follow through with them. And so that's what next week's episode is going to be. You know, how do we, how do we, how do we set goals that we actually, you know, will keep and how do we, how do we follow through with them? What, what kind of things can we put into place um, that will, will move us along on the road uh, to success. So that'll be next week. But this week's interview, I'm really excited to bring this to you. Uh, this week's interview is with a guy named John Sanders. And that's John without the H. So it's J-O-N Sanders. And uh, John is a podcaster. He's a coach. He's a speaker. He's an author. Um, I've listened to his Small Town Big Church podcast for a couple years now. Uh, and I've known him for, for about a year uh, he is a phenomenal guy with with lots of wisdom, and and I think you're gonna enjoy what he has to say. Um, specifically today, the uh, the focus of his his podcast is is mental health um, within the first responder community. You know, John is a is a firefighter, and he's been in that that community for many years. Uh, he does a podcast called the Fire Inside Podcast. 
And the Fire Inside podcast is a show that supports the brave men and women of the first responder community by providing inspirational content to encourage mental, emotional, spiritual, and spiritual wellness in their lives, right? And so, so his, um, his mission with that podcast is to provide this, <clears throat> this peer support network for first responders. And, and as you'll hear in, um, in the interview, uh, mental health is a, is a big deal in the, uh, the first responder community. And so he talks a little bit about that, talks about what he has, he has witnessed, he has um, observed. Um, and then he talks a little bit about what, what can be done and uh, and he also talks about you know if you're not a first responder but you you know a first responder, um, how can you pr- help provide support uh, to them? So uh, I hope you enjoy this interview with John Sanders. Well, John, thanks for joining me on uh, on the podcast today. It's a it's a pleasure to have you you on. I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, for for a few weeks now, and uh, and so glad that we get to sit down and and have this. Likewise, my friend Adam, thank you so much for having me on, and I'm looking forward to our time together. It should be a good conversation. Yeah. Well, now why don't you tell us uh, and and tell our audience a little bit about your self. Um, you know, I know that you have, uh, you have worn many hats. Uh, you, you currently wear, wear many hats. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, kind of what our listeners need to know about you as they're listening to this interview specifically. Yeah, for sure. You know, when we introduce ourselves in, in our culture so often, it's uh, the context is what we do for a living and what we do for an income. So in keeping with that, I'll just tell you, you know, kind of my story. I grew up in the ministry. My dad was a pastor, so I grew up in and around pastoral ministry. Um, I loved it, but I knew that's not what I was going to do with my life. I decided to go into the fire service as a firefighter and uh, started working at the age of 21 for a career paid uh, fire department and everything was going awesome until God messed up my plans and said, actually, yes, I want you in pastoral ministry as well. And it really was a calling. I think I had been running from for many years. Um, and, and I, I was like, God, I'll serve you with my life, but just don't make me preach. Like I was so terrified to get up in front of people and talk and uh, anyway, I surrendered finally after a few years of really running from that call and suppressing that. And uh, my wife and I and our two young kids at the time, we moved out to a little rural town in South Dakota and we planted a church. So we left the fire service, became church planters. I pastored for the last 16 years. Um, about five years ago, had an opportunity to go back into full-time firefighting that's a long story. Um, I started a few podcasts along the way. That's a long story, how I got into those various podcasts. Um, as as of late, my, my last major career transition was about a year ago. I stepped out of the full-time lead pastor role and into a new season of uh, working more specifically with leaders in the rural church um, with a group called the Rural Matters Institute and really focusing on my podcast for for small town rural pastors and doing some coaching. And so, yeah, you're right. I do wear a number of hats, but in terms of this conversation, I think you reached out to me because of the work that I do with the the peer support 
aspect in the fire service when it comes to mental health and, and emotional health and well-being. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, maybe a master of none, but uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up, Adam. <laughs> well, I hope, you, uh, I hope you figure it out one of these days. Uh, <laughs> so does my wife. She would love that. <laughs> Oh man. Well, you know, during your, your time in the, in the fire service, I think you've witnessed um, firsthand the impact that mental health can, can have on a person. Um, Tell us a little bit about your, your observations and and your experiences that you have, have had with that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll just say, I want it to be heard very clearly. I don't claim to be a mental health expert. I'm not you know, clinically licensed. I don't claim to be, I don't aspire to be. Um, but here's what I can tell you, Adam, when I went back into the, the full-time paid fire service here about five years ago, I knew that God was writing kind of a cool story. There was a kind of a cool intersection of my background in pastoral ministry and then my passion for the fire service. Like, don't get me wrong. I love to do the job. I love running calls. Like there's, there's something about that, that I felt was not fully uh, poured out of me. Like I still had some something left to give, but I knew that that when God opened that door for me to return back to that career that I had left to, to become a pastor, I knew that there was kind of a ministry element to it, and it didn't take long for me to um, to, to be on the job there working with Sioux Falls Fire Rescue when I had one of my battalion chiefs approached me and said, "John, we." We need to do something as a department for the mental, emotional, spiritual well-being of our people. Here's, here's a little fact, Adam, that a lot of people probably are not aware of. Um, but in the first responder community, I think this is true for law enforcement as well as certainly it is for firefighters. We lose more of our brothers and sisters in that profession every year to suicide than we do line of duty deaths. And, and our line of duty deaths are high, you know, like it's, it's statistically a dangerous job. And uh, yet we lose more of our people to suicide. And the interesting thing is, for the longest time in our profession, we've not talked about it. There's a stigma surrounding mental health, and it just hasn't been talked about. I'm, I'm happy to say that in recent years, that stigma is starting to go away and it's, it's at least being addressed where we're starting to recognize, hey, this is a conversation we need to be having. So to, to answer your question, uh, man, I have absolutely witnessed firsthand what uh, the, the job itself can do to a person in terms of the trauma that we see and experience, the calls that we respond to, um, let alone, not to mention all the other stuff of life that everybody deals with, financial struggles, marriage struggles, you know, substance addiction struggles in some cases. Um, and then you couple that with the very real trauma and stress that, that first responders undergo, and it really can have a, a very negative impact on the lives of those that serve um, our communities as paramedics, firefighters, police officers, that sort of thing. So, well, I don't claim to be an expert in it. I have definitely had a front row seat to a lot of it and am trying to help out where I can for sure. Yeah. Um, what, you know, you mentioned that you, you feel like you've seen the, the attitude sort of shift over in recent years. Uh, what, what are some, give me some specifics. I mean, how is, how is that shifting? What's, what's happening that's causing a shift in that? 
Yeah, well, for the longest time, the stigma, and it really was not always spoken, it was more just felt, but the stigma, basically, the message was this, like, suck it up. This is what you signed up for. Um, and to to show weakness would somehow let others know that I'm not able to do my job. I'm not fit for, for this, you know, like, as if somehow we as human beings were created to see our fellow man in their absolute worst moments um, with their their lives completely destroyed, whether it's by fire or literally some physical traumatic injury. And somehow that's not supposed to take a toll on us and bother us. I mean, the, I don't know when we ever thought that, but the, the stigma basically says like, you know, you, you are the ones people call for help. So you need to be strong. You need to not let this stuff bother you. Where that's starting to change is that we're starting to have a conversation about it. You know, one of the, it's kind of becoming a cliche statement, but I'm glad for it. It's true. Like where we're starting to tell one another in the fire service that it's okay to not be okay. What, what's not okay is to not, is to stay in that space. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to, to step out and say, look, I'm struggling with some things right now. Here on a scientific standpoint, and I won't go too deep down this road because I don't want to pretend like I fully understand it. But what I've learned is this, Adam, if today, if physically you were to fall down a flight of stairs and snap your arm and your arm is twisted and mangled in some horrific, you know, shape it's not supposed to be in, we would all look at your physical body and recognize you have an injury, you've sustained an injury, an injury. You're not weak. There's not something less than about you. You need help and we need to get you to some professionals that can help you. But in the, when it comes to our mental health, we have not given ourselves that same grace. Like what we've failed to recognize and what science is starting to now really confirm is that when you respond to the scene of trauma, your brain has, has had a traumatic injury. Like there is something traumatic that has taken place. Here, here's what's kind of still a mystery about it is that you and I can go to the same call, Adam, and something that may deeply affect me may not bother you that much and vice versa. We can go to another call and all of a sudden now you're struggling with something that you dealt with or saw or experienced that, that it doesn't seem to bother me. But regardless what we're starting to learn is that, look, you're not less than or somehow, you know, incapable of doing your job. It's that your brain has literally been traumatized. There has been an injury to your brain. We need to get you to a professional in some cases, and we need to get healing. We need to let some healing come into your, your mind, into your heart, into your life, and get you whole and get you back up, you know, back strong again. And, and so we're starting to have that, that conversation, like that, that stigma is starting to be broken down. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. We're starting to get help. We're starting to let our members know, hey, it's okay to reach out and to let someone know that you're struggling rather than letting our brothers and sisters struggle in silence while we all pretend that this stuff doesn't ever bother us, you know? So I, I don't know if that's really answering your question, but that's, that's kind of the big picture anyway. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, so what, what would you say, you know, specifically to the first responder um, who is, is sitting out there and, and they're listening to this and, and they're kind of like, okay, like I know I need to deal with this, but, but what do I do? Like what's next? Yeah, well, it's, it's a great question. And it's really a multifaceted approach depending on your, your situation. Let me tell you what I mean by that. First of all, 
the fire service is made up of about 69% uh, volunteer departments. You know, you look at rural America, so much of it is small town rural. And uh, those departments, by and large, are not full-time career departments. So there's some unique challenges that come with the, in a volunteer setting versus a career setting where mostly you're in a station for 24 hours with your, with your crew. Um, the trauma is still the same, but the, the thing in the volunteer world, you can come back from that horrible call and you go right back home to your family or right back to your job or right back home and go to bed or whatever. And, and then you're left truly alone. That one advantage that the career departments have is that we're kind of stuck with each other for better or worse for 24 hours. And we spend a lot of time around the coffee table or the kitchen table and and so much of that is dealt with just in those informal conversations where we can talk about and process with our crews and, and any firefighter, any first responder will connect with what I'm saying here, that there is a level of dark humor that we rely upon um, that is therapeutic. You know, we laugh at things that the general public would think we're sick and twisted. Like, how can you find humor in that? How can you even make a joke about that? And And I get it. It from an outside perspective, it probably seems very uh, inhumane or crass, but there is, it, that humor serves a purpose and a function, okay? Um, so there's that, like, I, I guess what I'm saying to that first responder, first and foremost, just be a part of a team, have that conversation with your team. I always speak to the, the company officers and those that are in leadership. This is where you have a really tremendous role to either help break down that stigma or to help build it up because based on how well you lead your crew, you can be the one that's looking for these signs in your members and, and just pull a guy aside and say, Hey, can we have a conversation? Is everything okay? Like you seem quiet, you seem distant, you seem like you've really been on edge, whatever the case may be, or you can lead or maybe it's a lack of leadership in the opposite direction that basically we don't talk about this, you know, like I, you never, talk about how you're feeling or how a call impacted you and you you don't create that environment for your crew to come and and let them know hey you can talk to me about anything when you get into the paid side of things a lot of city you know departments have various benefits that they offer their members such as like EAP uh, you know employee assistance programs and by the way those can be good sometimes they're not so good but they're still trying to offer something. Um, what I see happening a lot in the career departments especially, and I would love to see this continue to move out into the volunteer space, we see departments starting to develop their own peer support teams where they've got individuals such as myself that have been trained not to be, I'm not a professional, again, I'm not a licensed clinician, but I, I have some tools and I've been equipped to know how to have a conversation with someone and just to sit and listen and validate their story and validate their feelings and let them kind of get it out. Um, and so I would, you know, what would my advice be to that person? What step do they take? It's reach out to somebody, someone on the peer support team. Maybe it's the EAP counseling that's available through your department. Maybe it's a department chaplain. Maybe it's just nothing more than as a crew, sitting around or even just that one trusted individual. And by the way, I should say this too, Adam, like sometimes it helps for that person to go outside of their department, you know, just based on the political landscape, just based on, you know, some of the relational dynamics, sometimes someone might feel more comfortable reaching out for help beyond their department saying, look, I want someone who, 
who I'm not working with to hear me say all of this. There's really not a wrong way to do it. The, the wrong thing is to just stay silent while this stuff eats you from the inside. You know, like that's the worst thing you can do is just sit in silence and think that you're the only one that's ever struggled with this and somehow you, you're not cut out for the job because you're having these thoughts or you're having these feelings. There's a very normal physiological, mental reason that we respond to this stuff the way we do. So I know I'm preaching at you here and really rambling, but it's a multifaceted approach. It isn't just a step one, step two. There's, there's multiple layers to this. So my answer would be whatever works for you. Hmm. Talk to someone, reach out, because here's what I want any first responder out there to know. There are so many groups and organizations and people that are willing to help if you'll just let it be known that you need help. So there's no need for you to struggle in silence. Reach out and, and let someone know that you you could use some assistance in whatever it is you're struggling with. Mm. Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom in in what you uh, what you said there. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you kind of zoned out during that part, maybe you're driving, re- rewind it, go back and for sure and listen to that again. Um, you know, obviously this is the born again, anxious podcast. And so, um, one of the things is, is, you know, I try to approach this, uh, discussion about mental health from, uh, a clearly Christian standpoint, you know, um, not that, that we have a, a corner on the market by any means. Um, but you know, there, there is something unique about, uh, faith where where we approach the the mental health discussion in a unique way um talk talk a little bit about um faith and kind of what re what role you've seen that play uh, in how first responders have um have addressed mental health issues in their own lives good or bad um because i i realize it could could go either way is it something that gets talked about much well, sad. Yes and no. I'm going to say probably more no than yes. I, I and this is interesting, Adam. If you want to hear, if your audience wants to hear a more detailed, in-depth conversation about this, I would point them to my podcast, the the Fire Inside podcast. Um, I've done a couple different episodes where I went deep on that very subject. And and yes, I I am a born again Christian. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I claim Him as that uh, for my life, but. With my podcast as well, I don't I don't lead with that, if you will. I don't I've I've openly said I don't this is not my platform to shove my faith down your throat. However, I will say this in, in those episodes that I'm referring to, I have uh, made a very strong case for how faith is a very valuable tool in the mental health toolbox. And here's kind of the, the metaphor that I use. I've been invited a couple times to speak at a peer support conference for uh, firefighters. And that was what they asked me to speak on was, you know, the role that faith can play in the whole mental health uh, conversation. It's like this. I, I, I basically motion at the front as I'm teaching this, like imagine we have a table up here with different seats at the table that represent some of these different elements that all go together to make up our, our overall mental health and well-being. Certainly there's things we all recognize that need to be there, like uh, good nutrition has a role in in how we feel emotionally, the kind of sleep we're getting plays a role in that. Our physical state, you know, whether or not we're exercising, um, counseling, like there's all these different things that we can bring to the table. 
But I feel like in our culture that is becoming more and more secular, um, we have thrown faith to the curb and just said, listen, if you want to do that whole faith thing, just do it inside the four walls of whatever church, mosque, synagogue, wherever you do that weird religion stuff, do not bring it out into the public square. And, and basically what I would contend is that when we ignore faith, when we stiff arm the, the, the role that faith can play in someone's overall mental health and well-being, we are leaving a critical chair away from that table that needs to be invited in because I believe that we are more than just physical beings. I believe that we are also spiritual beings. And in my, in my uh, course that I teach on that, I just go deep into how faith can really impact someone's mental health in a positive way. And by the way, I'm not saying my faith, like I can have a conversation with you all day about why I've chosen to put my faith in the person of Jesus Christ and his work that he did for me on the cross. But scientifically, it doesn't necessarily matter what the object or who the object of your faith is. Just the fact that you have put your faith and trust in something will play a very positive role in your life in many ways when it comes to this conversation of your mental health and well-being. So yes, like I see people that that have a strong faith seem to do better in their mental health. And hear me clearly on this. I want your audience to hear this. I'm not suggesting that people who have a strong faith don't struggle with mental health yeah. because we do. Um, we still we still experience trauma. I'm just saying that it's one more tool that we have at our disposal where we can turn to something or someone that is bigger than us, that is outside of our circumstances that we can lean into and rely on. I, I've heard it said that, you know, religion is a crutch for weak people. And, and as a Christian, I would just raise my hand and say, yes, that's exactly what my faith is because I am not all powerful. I'm not all knowing. There are times that I often come up face to face with my human frailty and limitations. And yet my faith is in a God who is all powerful, who is all knowing and who loves me and who wants a personal relationship with me. That is a very valuable tool that, that has helped pull me through a lot of dark moments in my life. So for me, for many reasons, faith has been a tremendous uh, tool and one of the one of the things that I think has contributed to to my mental health, and I certainly see that playing a role in the lives of other people as well. So my challenge to those that would claim to be you know without faith or an, an atheist or agnostic or whatever they would claim, whatever title they would claim, I would just challenge them to explore their faith a little bit and ask some questions and be willing to follow the evidence where it might lead them if they're if they're brave enough to do that. So. I, if I go much further, I'll, we'll have to take an offering because I'm going to start preaching. But anyway, yeah, faith is you. Uh, have, an, have an altar call and let's uh, <laughs> let's 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 do all that, right? Um, yeah. You know, is is interesting because um, I think so often we and and I'm going to preface this question by saying this: I think so often with Christians and um, in the church. Uh, we we tend to look at people and or, or a group or whatever, and we tend to say like, okay, like here's here's how I can help you. Here's here's what I can do. You know, mm -hmm. when I think really we ought to ask people, well, what can we do to serve you? And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm I'm thinking about um, the the person listening. Um, you know, who may not be a first responder, but they may be a Christian and, uh, and they may, 
have a first responder that is a, um, that's a friend or that's a family member or a neighbor or, or whatever. Um, how can, how can the church and Christians serve come, come alongside first responders? You know, you talk about faith, uh, being, being in that mental health toolbox. Uh, how mm-hmm. can, how can Christians come alongside and serve in a way that, um, I guess, plays to the strengths that we bring to the table as, as people of faith, uh, you know, recognizing we're not, we're not by and large, um, all mental health experts. Um, you know, what, what can we, what can we do? That's good. That's a great question. Um, I'll tell you one thing not to do, and this, this doesn't matter if you're a person of faith or not, but this is just kind of a no, no that a lot of civilians don't know. And they're well-meaning, maybe, but they don't understand how much trauma they could be digging up with one simple question. So here's something don't you should not do, okay? Never ask a, a police officer, a firefighter, a paramedic, what's the worst call you've ever been on? Mm-hmm. And I, I was just asked that question again the other night. I, it, I'm not offended by it. I understand, like, because sometimes I do talk about the calls that I go on. Some, we've seen some hilarious things. We've seen some disgusting things that are worth, you know, bringing up at a party. <laughs> but then there's other things where it's like, man, I don't want to go there in my mind. I don't want to relive the, the worst call I've ever been on or the, the worst thing I've ever seen. So definitely avoid that question, okay? But it, let's, let's talk more positively what you can do, especially people of faith that are coming from a faith community. Number one, I would just say this, Adam, is just recognize when you are approaching a first responder, just understand that due to the very nature of their job, uh, even if it isn't their full-time job, so even in the volunteer space, understand that they see things on a regular basis that the human mind really was not intended to see. They see people in their weakest, worst hours you know, the, the worst moments of their life, they see death up close and personal, they see death in the most horrific ways. So just understand, like, this might be someone who could use some some extra love, some extra support. I think one of the best ways that you can serve the first responder community is just to be a safe person for them to be around. And what do I mean by that? Um, just let them be who they are, give them space to talk. Chances are really good they're not going to want to talk to you about a lot of the stuff they deal with on their job. This is certainly true of firefighters. I think it's even more so the case with law enforcement. There's a little bit of a, of a distrust of the outsider. Um, Not that we don't like people who aren't us. We just don't think they get us. And so there's a little bit of a a wall that comes up where I'm probably not going to talk with you in the same way that I would talk with someone who's in that line of work because they get it. I don't have to explain all the nuances of stuff. They just get it. So now it's not to say that in time you couldn't build a relationship with a fellow firefighter or a police officer where they, they do start to open up, but being a safe space for them is just letting them be. Don't sit and dig for information, but be willing to listen. And here's the big thing, validate whatever they say. Like, I'm not saying like, go along with a lie that they're saying, but validate their feelings about something. If, if like they seem really angry about something, if they seem really depressed, really distant, just validate where they are because whatever they're feeling, that feeling is real for them. Even if it's not true reality, that's where they are at in that moment. 
And you can be that safe space for them by just being a listening ear. Here's another really powerful question I think you as a person of faith can ask someone in the first responder community is just, hey, how can I pray for you? Is there anything going on in your life right now or with your work that, that, that I could lift up to the Lord in, in prayer on a regular basis? They may deflect and say, no, nothing, I'm good. But that might be, I guarantee they don't get that question a lot. You know, and who knows what they're they're likely to say. Um, so yeah, I think just being that that ear that will listen to them and being willing to serve them in that capacity is huge. Being that safe space for them. And one last thing I'll say is, like we like being appreciated for what we do, but we we don't seek that. I think a lot of times in the first responder community, we get put on a pedestal of, oh, thank you for your service, thank you for protecting us that's nice. Like we, we do appreciate being appreciated, but sometimes we don't want to feel like we're on display in a, in a public setting or whatever. Like just, it's what we do. Like for us, we don't view it as being that spectacular. We view it as this is what we do. You know, it's part of our job and we don't think it's that amazing that we respond to emergency scenes and put ourselves in harm's way. So I don't know if that makes sense. Like be appreciative, but don't be, don't be starstruck by it, if that makes sense. Because yeah. that can quickly make someone start to feel a little uncomfortable, like, like the walls start coming up. Like, well, now I have to perform and put on this, this persona of what you think I really am. Just understand, I'm, I'm a regular guy, a regular gal just like you. I just happen to serve humanity in, in a unique way. So I'm not as special as you might be treating me like I am. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, it makes perfect sense. Um, I think th- those are all great tips. And I was, you know, I was sitting here taking notes just, just for myself, um, just on, on some things, um, you know, how, how I can respond. Well, what would, what would some uh, resources be? And, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, but what would some resources be, maybe a couple that you would recommend to someone, uh, whether they're a first responder, whether they're part of the first responder community, um, or they simply, you know, work in a high stress environment? Uh, what would be some recommendations you'd give and, and resources you'd point them towards? Well, I'm always going to point people toward my love language, which is podcasts, right? Like for for me personally, over the years, podcasts have absolutely transformed my life because I have found voices out there talking about whatever the case may be. I mean, in all kinds of different areas of business and leadership and ministry and firefighting. And I mean, you name it, I've found things that interest me and I find very interesting people having powerful conversations, just like the one you and I are having right now, Adam. So I always tell people like, look, look for a podcast there. I guarantee there's probably something out there like born again, anxious, a pastor dealing with the the subject of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, that sort of thing in the Christian community. There's a podcast out there for almost anything. In I had mentioned earlier, my podcast, the fire inside podcast, normally what I do with that, uh, it's exactly that it's a resource where I just help sh- share the stories of other first responders around the nation that have been through some really dark seasons in their life. And they've come through on the other side to be able to tell people, look, there's hope. You don't have to take your life. You don't, there, there's, there's another way out of this and not every day is going to be as bad as it feels right now today. And I just feel like there's such power in hearing other people's stories that have 
kind of been there, done that, and they've blazed a trail for the rest of us to follow. Um, so there's probably a number of great podcasts out there that you could turn to. Certainly, I would say this, like you met, you, the question is like what resources are available Adam, you had a great episode a number of weeks back where you were talking about the need for mentors, coaches, and counselors, and you kind of made drew out the distinctions between them. I'm telling you, this this isn't involving the first responder community, but one of the hardest things and one of the best things that I ever did in my life a few years back, quite a few years back now, was reached out for marriage counseling for my wife and I. And at that time, I'm serving as a pastor. Again, you talk about a stigma I'm the guy that people are supposed to be coming to for help with their marriage. And now here I am needing help in my own marriage. Who do I even, what would my people think if they knew I was reaching out for counseling? Well, I'm, I'm happy to report that I got over myself pretty quickly and was able to push through that discomfort. And now I can look back and go, man, those three years that my wife and I spent in regular uh, counseling appointments with a counselor who could take us backwards in our life and kind of help examine things from our upbringing, our childhood, our early marriage. So why am I saying all this? Because probably one of the best things that some of our listeners could do right now today, Adam, would be to make that phone call to reach out to a counselor, say, hey, can I set up an appointment? Um, Certainly the mentoring, the coaching, those are awesome uh, aspects as well. And sometimes you might even need to get deep into different kinds of therapies that are available um, there's so many different resources. The, the biggest hurdle to overcome is just acknowledging like, I'm going to make that first step and put that call out there that I need this. So, um, and, and I guess I probably overlooked the most simple one. And that's just having a conversation with somebody that you can trust someone that's healthy. You know, I don't recommend it. you be your drinking buddies down at the bar that are, you know, swallowed up in addiction themselves. They usually don't tend to be the best counselors in our life. Um, but someone who is mature, someone who that is someone you can trust, that you can just reach out to and say, man, can, can I just share some things? Because I think just in that power of a conversation, just being able to verbally decompress and, and you know, process your thoughts and your feelings, that that's going to do a... a, a large amount of therapy in your life before you ever go on to professionals. But there's so many resources. It's hard for me to say, here's the best three or four to go to. But yeah, podcasts, friends, counselors, mentors, coaches, therapists, whatever the case may be, there is help available. So don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great list. And I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned, um, you know, seeking uh, professional help as well. It, you know, an interesting uh, similarity, I guess, between uh, first responders and and pastors, though it's it's in very different realms. Uh, but but both of those careers, in different ways, uh, were were people that fix other people's problems. Yep. And uh, we're when when we realize we we can't fix our problems, and uh, we need to seek outside help. That that feels very foreign. Um, but you know, I, that, that the taking the first step and, uh, and just reaching out, that's, that's huge. And, you know, even I I love the fact that in, you know, we're recording this in, in the end of 2020. And, and I, I love the fact that in 2020, uh, one of the biggest hurdles, you know, of, oh, there's not a counselor around me has been taken away. 
because mm-hmm. I can, you know, we're recording this over a, over a, um, a video chat and, uh, you know, I can hop on and I can do that with a counselor. Um, I would, I would certainly, you know, caution people to make sure that the, the service that you're using is a legit service and, and do your due diligence on all that. But, you know, I mean, my, I got a thing from my insurance the other day that, uh, starting next year, they're going to, they're going to cover, uh, telehealth for, uh, for mental health for, uh, a $10 copay, you know? So like, I, I love the fact that, that, some of those things that were out there, you know, especially like for me, I'm in a rural setting. Uh, it's an hour to the closest city. Um, those, those have been taken away. And, yeah. uh, and so we, there, there are tons of resources out there um, yeah. to out and take advantage of them. Adam, I just want to say this and, and also just speak a word of blessing over you and what you're doing as a pastor leading this conversation. Um, I, I believe you're right. Like when we're in that role of being a helper, a fixer, there's there's that stigma we have to overcome of, well, who do I go to when I need help? But in, whether you're a first responder, a pastor, or just you just are someone who wants to be a, a safe person for others in your life, one of the most powerful things you can do is share your weaknesses with others. I'm not saying like you need to have some level of discernment. Like I didn't get up and go into great detail with my church back in the day of all that my wife and I were unpacking with our marriage counselor. That would have been, um, that would have been very dysfunctional, you know, and you know who I'm talking about. There's people on Facebook that put all their dirty laundry out there for the world to see. I'm not talking about that, but when you can be transparent enough and real enough to let other people see your weakness and to let them know that you're working through those weaknesses, you instantly become a more powerful person in their eyes because they see you as someone who truly understands where they're at. If you just think, if you think that you need to always have this, this uh, persona about you of being this strong rock, I, nothing phases me, nothing bothers me, you might think that makes you someone that is attractive to people who are struggling, but in many cases it puts up a barrier that people think, well, he doesn't understand what I'm going through. He never struggles with this stuff. But when you can instead share your story and share your life in an authentic, transparent way, it causes other people to recognize I can actually learn something because he understands where I'm at. So if I do, if, if we do have any pastors listening to us, again, I'm not saying get up and just share all your dirty laundry, but go get some counseling and then let your church know that you are getting counseling. You know, it's probably one of the bravest things that you could ever do. And it'll help so many people just by you modeling it and leading in it. You'll help so many other people by giving them the permission to follow your leadership and do the same thing. So I could preach on that one all day. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for, for joining me today. This has been a, a fantastic conversation and I know you and I could uh, talk for hours and hours about this, um, this stuff. But, you know, my hope is that this has, um, this has been um, good for our listeners today. I, I think that it definitely has, um, that it has, has blessed them. And, uh, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to you, you know, obviously you mentioned the Fire Inside podcast. Uh, what's, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? For sure. If you're in the first responder community and want to connect on that level, uh, very simply, the website is thefireinsidepodcast.com. 
Um, if you want just a more generic landing space on the interwebs to reach me, it's johnsanders.org is just kind of my catch-all website that's got links to all three of the podcasts that I do and um, and just a little bit more general stuff about me. So johnsanders.org, I spell my name J-O-N, not with an H, so johnsanders.org or thefireinsidepodcast.com. Either of those, you can find me on social media. I'm pretty easy to find out there. So yes, Adam, if anyone wants to connect, I'd love to serve in any way that I can. If they want to have a conversation or have you know more questions that we didn't get to in this conversation, I'd be happy to connect with them. So feel free to let them reach out. Well, I'm glad I got to share my conversation uh, from a couple of weeks ago with John uh, with this audience. Uh, you know, I want to encourage you, like like John uh, encouraged you in the in the interview. Uh, go check out his podcasts. You know, he has two podcasts. He has the Fire Inside podcast, and he has the Small Town Big Church podcast. Uh, both of them uh, are excellent, excellent podcasts, and uh, and I I know that you'll um, you'll gain something from those. Um, he, he mentioned a website, um, w- that's easy to find him and it's just johnsanders.org and that's John J O N Sanders, S A N D E R S.org, johnsanders.org. Uh, go check it out. Check out those. He's got links to the podcasts there and, uh, and also some ways that you can, can reach out to him. Uh, you know, if you happen to be looking for a, a coach, uh, I know um, firsthand that he is a uh, he's he's a good one uh, to uh, to reach out to for that. Well, if you are listening to this at um, at the beginning of 2021, I hope that your 2021 is off to a great start, and I hope that you'll be back next week as we talk about goals. Well, thanks for listening to the Born Again Anxious podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Additionally, if you'd like to continue the conversation, we'd love to connect on Facebook. So just go to facebook.com slash bornagainanxious and join our private Facebook group, or you can simply find us by searching Born Again Anxious.